The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. This morning, I've, I've been asked to speak on Didymus. Everybody say Didymus. Didymus, the doubting Thomas. Everybody say Didymus, the doubting Thomas. <laughs> Didymus, the doubting Thomas. You see, doubt is something that cripples the work of God in our lives. Doubt limits the acts and the actions of God in our lives. God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ever ask or imagine and when we, when we begin to doubt God, we are placing a limit on him. Even though he's limitless, but as far as we are concerned, we are limiting him when we doubt him. Jesus, as much as he was all God, he had all the power in, the, in heaven and on earth. Jesus couldn't do much, even in his own town, because of unbelief. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, you, you will have to write and open your Bibles quickly because the summaries may not come up because of technical issues. In Matthew 13, 58, the word of God says that he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I mean, this was Jesus. He was the one that walked on water, raised the dead. All the power in heaven and on earth was present in that town, but he could not do much. And many times it appears that God is not doing much in our lives because of our doubts. Today I'm trusting that God will remove doubt from our lives in Jesus' name. In Matthew 14, 23, Matthew 14, 23, the word of God says, but if you have doubt about whatever, it's showing you how, how important and how heavy doubt can be spiritually and to us as believers. If you have doubt about whether or not you should eat something, and you go ahead and eat, you are sinning if you go ahead and eat. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Anything that is not done in faith, another tradition says, it is sin. That's how serious doubt is. So God is saying, even if you have food in front of you, and you are doubting. Don't eat it. Because 
until you resolve your doubts. It's that fundamental. You have food in front of you. You are doubting. Should I be coasting or should I be breaking at six? Let me chop it, Joe. Praise the Lord. For because doubt has a reason, it's proof that something needs to be sorted out. Something needs to be resolved. God is saying, don't just ignore it and go ahead. Even that serious. So, and, and, and doubt cast, tries to cast as passions on our gratitude to God. Doubt tries to cast a doubt on, on us being grateful. God, God just delivered you. We heard our sister's testimony. She was saying her husband left home slightly late and missed the um, tanker explosion by a few cars. Doubt is saying, it's just a coincidence. So doubt robs us of our gratitude. Doubt prevents us to come before God and say, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving my wife. Thank you for saving my husband. Thank you for saving my children. Doubt tries to commonize the miraculous. Tries to make ordinary what is extraordinary. And, it's, 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 and God wants us to live beyond doubt. Why? Because our lives are sup- is supposed to be limitless. As a church, one of our values is no small dreams. NSD. And if you've done the journey, you understand what I'm saying. No small dreams. It means that we, we are not to put any limit on God. God has said we should do A. We are going to do A whether we can afford A or not right now. A will be done. And as we step out in faith, provision will come. Praise the name of the Lord. In, 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 and, and, and in Romans 3, verse 3, Romans 3, 3, and 4, the word of God says that, what if some did not believe? And where Without faith. What if some doubt? What if some don't believe this gospel? What if some don't believe this word of God that we are preaching? What if some don't believe? Now, it goes on to say, does their faith or their lack of faith, rather, and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God? Or is fidelity to his word? Since your doubt does not nullify the word of God. Your doubt doesn't nullify the word of God. My doubt doesn't nullify the word of God. So God is true. By no means does it. Let God be found true, though every human being is false and a liar. As it is written that you may be justified and shown to be upright in what you say and prevail when you are judged by sinful 
men. So let God be true, the word of God says, and let every, everyone be a liar. So the word of God has said something, don't doubt it. As we approach the God we again service, miraculous things are going to happen. And as we, as we move towards this part of our season as a church, there are a lot of people that are like doubting. God is saying to you, don't doubt. Please say to your neighbor, don't doubt. God is saying, don't doubt. Take away doubt. Some of us, we doubt ourselves. We doubt ourselves. Without, we, we, we say that, um, well, maybe I can never be good enough to get a good job like that person. Or I can never be good enough to have this kind of wife. Or this kind of husband. Or we doubt ourselves. God is saying, don't doubt don't what? Don't doubt. Don't doubt. I remember growing up, my mom would say to us, when we bring a report card, you know, there's six of us, so we, are, we, are plenty. we even have cousins living with us, you know, so we have plenty in the house. And we all eat from the same bowl of a bar. <laughs> soup. Anyway, I would bring a report card and, you know, and it was a solemn moment in my home back then. Report card, tendering your report card, solemn moment. Then there are forty-three people in your class, twenty-three people in your class, and 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 and, and you come seventh. Your knees are shaking as you go, and you show you, my mom. My mom says, "You, you came seventh." Says the person that came forth first, does he have two heads? Tell me, does he have two heads? If you don't answer quickly, <laughs> so we were kind of just wired into us not to doubt ourselves, which was a good thing. Just wired into us to believe that if he can do it, all I need to check is does he have two and. He, if I can't see two heads on his head, that means I can do it. Praise the name of the Lord. And as parents, we need to instill, I don't, I'm not saying you should go through that approach necessarily, you know, but we need to instill that confidence in our children. Not to doubt themselves. To believe they can, they should get the best and they can because God is with them. Praise the name of the Lord. And sometimes we doubt others. We don't only doubt ourselves, we doubt others. Because we've been lied to by people we've trusted. And when innocent people come along, we doubt them. We doubt people for no reason. The lady says, Pastor, all men are liars. Why would she say that? Because she's had experiences with liars. And I said to her, sorry, all men are not liars. 
Because I'm not a liar. Say, that is you. No, 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 no. For every Elijah, there are 7,000 others that have not bowed to Baal. And that's, that's the truth. So don't doubt. Don't doubt. Say to your neighbor again, don't doubt. And some of us not only doubt ourselves and doubt others, we doubt Jesus. We doubt Jesus. I'm going to show you a video now, the same video we showed sometime at Easter. It's about a man that doubted Jesus, Didymus. We call him the Doubting Thomas. Have you heard that before? Doubting Thomas. From generation to generation, they wouldn't let, his, they wouldn't let the guy rest in heaven. Are you the Doubting Thomas? Are we ready with the video? Okay, let's, let's show the video. My name is Thomas, and I struggle with doubt. I followed Jesus for years. From the very first day he called me, I saw things so amazing they defied explanation. I believed. But then things fell apart. I witnessed the betrayal that led to the cruel march to Calvary and his agonizing crucifixion. I survived. But everyone I knew scattered. My world collapsed. Then came news of the empty tomb, the very first Easter. But I resisted. The image of his broken, lifeless body was still burned into my memory. I experienced his death. Then I couldn't believe. Not until I see the scars with my own eyes and touch them with my own hands, I told the others. I wasn't ready to put my trust in something again. But Jesus came to me. He knew my doubts. He even named them. But he wasn't angry. He didn't rebuke me or dismiss me. He looked at me with those familiar eyes and offered me his scarred hands and sighed. In that moment, I experienced his resurrection, and I believed. I know firsthand it's difficult to believe in what you can't see. And yet all around you are people whose lives and stories have scars that bear witness to the meaning of Easter. Yes, these people have been wounded, but they've experienced redemption and healing through Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were meant to rescue the doubters, the debtors, and the broken. People like you and me. He met my doubts with grace and love. And he only asked one thing of me. Believe. And he asked 
the same of you and I believe. In comes Didymus, Doubting Thomas. His original name was Yehuda or Judah, depending on the, the text. So where did he get Didymus from? Thomas. It was a nickname given to him. The, the same way Simon was nicknamed Cephas, Peter, the rock. Yehuda was nicknamed Didymus, means the twin. Double-minded. In one person, there are two people. Doubting Thomas. So from generation to generation, his nickname stuck. And even when they give accounts of the disciples of Jesus, they, they didn't put Yehuda, they put Thomas. And so that we don't forget what Thomas actually meant. As church progressed from centuries to centuries, we added doubting to qualify the Thomas. Praise the name of the Lord. So, doubt, interestingly, to call um, um, Thomas, doubting Thomas, was actually um, um, being nice, quote and unquote, to him. Why, why do I say that? Because doubt, according to wikipedia.org, if we check the meaning of doubt, it, it simply means a status between belief and disbelief. And that is so true. Doubt is a status between belief. If belief is on one spectrum and unbelief is on another spectrum on this side, doubt is in the middle. It involves uncertainty. Lack of sureness. Doubt means... Ah, ah, ah. I'm not sure. But what... Thomas demonstrated was more than doubt. They should have called him unbelieving Thomas. In John 20, verse 4, John 24, you know, the, the word of God says that one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed twin, Didymus, was not in church with others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I will not believe. That's deeper than doubt. Unless I, under, unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. And I put my finger. So you should, you should not go and paint it and think I will believe. I will have to put my finger and place my hands on his sides. Until then, I will not believe. Now, why was he in disbelief. It's simple. Thomas was not there when Jesus came to show himself. Thomas was not in church. That's, that's just what it meant. So sometimes when you miss church, you miss a word. And when everybody is, is moving forward in the power of that word, you are doubting. 
Why? Because you've not had the same experiences they've had. And many times, like Thomas, we have to buy the tape. Jesus has to appear to us again. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So Thomas was in disbelief. Even further than doubt. And what Thomas was saying, yeah, in essence, is, is, is what the lawyers call the burden of, of proof. The burden of proof. That is, you have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, somebody is um, innocent until he's proven what? Guilty. Is that correct? Lawyers, am I, am I in order? <laughs> Good. So, the last time I saw Jesus, he was dead. So, he remains dead until he is proven resurrected. And beyond reasonable doubt, which means I have to see it, I have to touch it. Then I will believe. And many times, many of us, we, we look at um, Thomas and we think, oh, Thomas, how could he have disbelieved? And we, you know, we, we kind of don't really respect Thomas for disbelieving. But you see, the truth is that Thomas is to be respected. For this, I'm, I'm going to show you. It's to be respected. Really. Because the issue of doubt have, is, is common to man. From, if you check scripture, it's filled with great people that God, that God has used, that have done great things from God, having to wrestle with doubt. We have people that ask questions of doubt. Mary, the mother of Jesus, when they said to her, you are when the angel, she, an angel said to her, not just an angel, an archangel, Gabriel, said to her, you are going to conceive and have a baby. In verse 34 of Luke 1, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. That's a question of doubt. How can this happen? Many trying to figure it out in, his, in our brain. How can this happen? Zechariah, the priest, high priest, well, priest was part of the priesthood. They were rotating it at the time, you know. Great man of God. God said to him, the same Gabriel appeared to him in the temple and said to him, you are going to have a son and his name is going to be John. And in, in verse 18 of Luke 1, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that will happen? How, how will I know you are not playing me while you? I'm an old man and my wife is also well along in years. Doubtful questions. People have even gone beyond doubtful questions. They've demonstrated acts of doubt. God came down he was on his way to Sodom to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18. And he stopped by Abraham. And in verse 10, then came with some angels. One of them said, I will return to you about this time next year. And your wife, Sarah, 
will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Women are experts at that. They're in the kitchen, they're hearing what you're saying in the living room. Don't even try and hide. They can't hear everything. Just accept it. Verse 12 says, so she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, even my self, don't, no action. That's what she said. How can this be? And God showed up to her and God said, Sarah, why did you laugh? Do you know what Sarah said? I didn't laugh, oh. Me. No, 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 I didn't laugh. Now, you know, God is just magnanimous. If we're some of us that we are so anointed and we are filled with revelation and you see that somebody has lied and the person has said, I didn't lie, what would you do? I will call down fire now if you don't tell me the truth. God just ignored her and God just said, according to the time of life. And for somebody here, according to the time of life, you will carry a son. And you can laugh if you want to. If they laughed at God, who am I? And of course, we, we have statements of doubt like, like uh, Thomas. If I, if I don't touch it, I will not believe it. But you see, if you see that God responded differently to doubt, don't miss this. God responds differently to doubt based on the sincerity of the doubter. God doesn't respond the same way to doubt, even though doubt is doubt. God responds differently to doubt based on the honesty and the sincerity of the doubter. In the case of Mary, what did God do? The angel just explained, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you will conceive. God responded to doubt with what? An explanation. In the case of Zechariah, God must have said, you are a priest. You should know better. I'm not going to explain to you. You are going to be dumb. Until this happens. Because of to whom much is given, much is expected. To Sarah, God respected, responded differently. God invariably said to, to Sarah, I will prove it to you. You are laughing. I didn't laugh. Oh, you laugh. I didn't laugh, God. I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. You laughed, Sarah. I didn't laugh. And God says, I will prove it to you. According to the time of life, not only will you have a son, you will name him Laughter. That will be his name, Isaac. God responded differently. Differently. To the um, officer in 2 Kings, the Bible says the officer whom, whom the king rested on 
God responded differently to his doubt. 2 Kings 7, verse 2, from verse 2, 2 Kings 7, 2, the Bible says that the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't even happen, even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven and poured out his blessing, what you have said, man of God, cannot even happen. Daft man. Think, use your brain. Even if God opens the window of heaven, we, can this thing happen? But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. God responded differently to the doubt. Why? Because that doubt was filled with arrogance. It was filled with cockiness. It was filled with, a, with an air of superiority. And I can give you examples upon examples of David, of, 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 of even Ishmael. I give you examples of Zechariah, the prophet of Jeremiah, and on and on and on. God always responds differently to doubt. Based on what? On the sincerity. So, what does Mary, Sarah, Thomas all have in common? Sincerity and honesty that wants to believe. So, their doubt was based on sincerity that wants to believe. You know, their doubt was not based on, on, on pride or, or ridicule or, or thinking they, they know what they don't know. Their, their doubt was based on sincerity. How can this thing be? Guys, we've gone through so much in these few days. If I don't see this thing and touch it, I won't believe. I'm sorry. Praise the Lord. Personally, of course, I doubted. I have doubts that I've wrestled through in my work with God. And, and I've seen how God responded to me. And when I look at Thomas, I'm like, wow, Jesus is just the same yesterday, today, and forever. Personally, I, I, I can give you several examples of doubts. People look at me and think I have faith. My faith are usually a result of my doubts. Yes, they are. I doubted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got saved my final year. And before then, I've seen all sorts of people, all these born again people, all of them. If I've seen, I've heard about people that teach people how to speak in tongues. You say, ah, ah, ba, ha, 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 ba, ba, ha, 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 you know? <laughs> I've seen all sorts. I've heard all sorts. <laughs> So, when I got saved, I, I, I just didn't want to touch the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wasn't interested because I doubted it. I said to God, okay, thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me from my sins. Can you please leave me out of this experience? I don't want to be a loony. You see, it was sincere doubt. And God saw it. Every time I would go to fellowship or to, to church... They call for people that want to receive the Holy Spirit. I just sit down there I'm looking at them. Hey, people, you are not serious. You, you don't catch me. <laughs> I was full of doubt. But as I read the word of God, 
Interestingly, I became, I became hungry. I was doubtful, but I was hungry. I wanted more of God. I wanted more of God. I wanted more of God. And I began to desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said to God, you know what, let's have a deal. I can see this thing is true in your word. It has to be you and I. Believe me. I'd moved out of the main house at the time, you know, uh, my, my mom's house, the front main house, and the BQ. So I moved into the BQ. You know, when you're investing, you feel everybody's disturbing your life, right? So you move out of the house. So I moved to the BQ because they will allow me bring the babies into the main house and sleep overnight. But the BQ, you can sneak them in, you know, when everybody's asleep. You can open the gate, JJ. You know? <laughs> now don't look at me like that. All things are what? <laughs> Passed away. So, as the BQ, now saved, praying, and I said to God, I was reading a book, Tongues of Fire, and, and by um, um, Bishop Waliokia at the time, and he just said, stop, ask God to fill you. I just stopped, closed the book. I said to God, if you're going to fill me with the Holy Spirit, it is now. Guess what? I began to speak in tongues. In fact, uncontrollably, I, I, my mom was hearing. I probably spoke in tongues till morning. Then somebody will come and tell me it is fake. I said, maybe you have fake. I don't have fake. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And God has promised everyone that asks, receives. If only you will approach God with that sincerity. I'm not special. God is not a respecter of persons. If you will approach God with that sincerity, that's usually what is different with a lot of people. And great faith was born in my life out of what? Great doubt. In fact, close to cynical doubt. And, 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 and great faith, now, I mean, I can't count by the grace of God the number of people who have missed the baptism of the Holy Spirit too. I literally can't count. Individually, in a group. I remember when I was serving in the north, I was teaching, I had this group of students, and, you know, and they were believers, and they wouldn't hear anything about baptism of the Holy Spirit, because of how they've been indoctrinated. So I said to them, that, you know what, you know, um, Malam is going to answer all your questions. They call us Malam. Malam means teacher, right? Malam is going to ask all your questions from the Bible, and we have a deal. If I answer your questions from the Bible, you will believe God. They agreed. If I tell you anything that is not in the Bible, don't believe me. We had a deal. They asked questions upon questions upon questions about baptism of the Holy Spirit. And God helped us. We answer one after the other, after the other, after the other. By the time we finished, I didn't lay hands on anybody. They began to speak in tongues. The, the room caught fire. Everybody. The particular guy, Tanko, they called him Tanko. That's his name. He was just, he was just jumping up and down. I'm like, Tanko, calm down. No way, calm down. He was just jumping up and down. That great faith that Kumi started, perhaps all this with a large group of people, was born out of doubt. 
was born out of doubt. Thomas's great faith. Thomas happened to be disciple that went the farthest amongst all of them. Thomas went as far as India to preach the gospel. The same Thomas that doubted. The same Thomas. So Thomas is proof that the biggest doubters can become the strongest believers. The biggest doubters can become the strongest believer. You see, but Thomas, if you look at the disciples and, and the people that followed Jesus, Thomas was not the only one that doubted. He wasn't. But he was the only one that was sincere enough to put his doubt on display. He wasn't the only one that doubted. Even after Jesus had shown himself to everybody, shown himself to Thomas, and done all, all that, and he was ascending. Matthew 28. He says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee unto the amount where Jesus had appointed to them. Jesus said, Meet me at that place, I will come. Verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, Jesus. The Bible says, But some of them doubted. Thomas was not part of them. Some of them doubted. This was Jesus that has shown to them, that has touched my hand. They had their doubts. They kept quiet. They kept quiet. They kept quiet about their doubts. Thomas was sincere enough to make public his doubt. But they were hypocritical. They kept quiet. And they did not get healed. Listen, anything you hide cannot heal. Anything you hide cannot heal. If you have doubt, bring it out. Let God heal it. If you have a wound and you refuse, you keep hiding it. There's a problem in your marriage. You're hiding it. If, if hiding it could solve it, it could have been solved 10 years ago. It's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Why? Because whatever you hide will not heal. Looking at Didymus, Thomas, he was doubtful, but he was loyal. I mean, Thomas, even though he was doubtful, Thomas was loyal. In John 11, Jesus had said, um, we are going to, to raise Lazarus from the dead. Martha and Mary had sent for Jesus, come and raise Lazarus. Jesus had delayed. Eventually, Jesus wanted to go. The disciples said to Jesus, are you okay? These guys just wanted to kill you. Last week, Jesus says, eh, are, I didn't know six hours in the day. Let's go and wake our friend because he's asleep. He says, if he's asleep, let somebody else wake him up. He says, no, 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 he's dead, guys. Let's go and raise him up. Now, Jesus said to them, let's go and raise up a dead person. Thomas said in his heart, you are going to be the one that will be dead. How do I know? Verse 16, John 11. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. This guy is bent on dying. <laughs> Doubtful, but loyal. He doubted Jesus, but he was loyal to Jesus. He doubted, I mean, I didn't know how he juggled the two. And that's somebody that needs thumbs up. He was the one that said to Peter, imagine somebody saying to Peter, let's go and die for Jesus. Peter, before you say, Jesus, Peter says, I will die for you. Thomas said to all of them, this guy is bent on dying. Let's go and die with him. Loyalty. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. That's loyalty right there. It was, it was not only loyal, doubtful but loyal, it was sincere to the core. It was sincere to the core. When Jesus came and, and, and said, <laughs> in John 14, now, follow this story, John 14. Thomas is just amazing. In fact, you may just name your next child Thomas. <laughs> Don't let your heart be troubled. This was Jesus speaking. He was approaching the, the end of his life. Trust in God. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust also in me. Verse 2, John 14. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If there were not so, if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you where everything is ready, I will come and get you. Don't mind the people that say Jesus is not coming again. Jesus is coming again. Praise the Lord. He said it himself. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, verse 4. And you know the way to where I am going. And before Jesus could continue, no, we don't know the way, Lord. Thomas said. And Jesus paused. And Thomas says, said, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we even know the way? This was Jesus, being spiritual, talking about heaven. Say, you know, in my father's house, there are many mansions there. I'm going to prepare a way for you. Okay? And since you know the way, Thomas said, we know the way. Thomas said, okay, we don't know the way. <laughs> I have to be pissed out. We, we, we don't know the way, and, and he says, we, we, we don't even know where you are going, Jesus. Jesus, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Now, it, it is this sincerity. It was this question that opened the door for us today. The revelation of Jesus 
that is changing the world. Jesus could have said, shut up, Thomas. I'm trying to talk about heaven, spiritual things. You are interrupting me. Jesus didn't say that. It's amazing to see that, that, that the people around Jesus could ask him questions. And he wasn't upset. It's amazing to see that. And it's also, it's also comforting to see that the people that are following Jesus are not fools. The people that are following Jesus, they have brains, they are sharp. They, they, Jesus could not bamboozle them. They, they could ask questions. And Jesus provided answers. Verse 6, then Jesus told him. Jesus was talking to the group of people and says, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, oh God, sorry, we don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going. And Jesus turned to him and said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If Good place to clap. If Thomas had not asked that question, we would not have known this revelation. Sincere to the core. There's something about being sincere that God cannot ignore. And, I mean, because, I'm, you know, by God's grace, I'm trying to be like God. I can't stand hypocrites. I can't stand people that come to you. They know what they are, where they are going. Then they ask you one question. Then they ask you. Many times I see where they are going. I just ignore them and just play along and just mm, carry a while and go. I can't stand those people. I love people that are sincere. If you don't know, say you don't know. Nobody will arrest you for not knowing. Don't pretend that you know what you don't know. Jesus gave him that answer and that answer has changed the world today. Without that answer, there will still be confusion if Jesus is the only way to God. Without that answer, we will still be guessing. But that answer could only have come, only came rather because Didymus asked the question. I was a Didymus. So by the time we get to John 20, verse 26, that same scripture based on the video we, we, we read. The eight days later, the disciples were gathered together. And this time, Thomas was with them. It's finally in church. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. I can talk a little about that. Peace be unto you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hand. Put your hand into my wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Thomas, believe. You know, there are Thomases in this place. I believe God is saying to you, don't be faithless any longer. Only believe. And then, then, Thomas, 
cried out, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. But there are people that are going to be more blessed than you are, Thomas. And those are those that believe without sin. So you and I are going to be more blessed than Thomas. We are actually more blessed than Thomas. Don't say, I have to see to believe. God is saying, blessed are you for believing without sin. Let's bow down our hearts as we bow down our heads. And let's talk to God about what we have heard. Didymus, the doubting Thomas. For some of us, you're here today and you've doubted God until now. You say, wow, now I can see. Now I can see. Pastor, what do I do? I want to pray with you. You need to give your life to Jesus. I want to pray with you. Oh, you're saying, Pastor, I, I used to be born again. I used, my life used to be with Jesus, but, but I backsliding because I didn't understand all this. Like Thomas. I want to come back. I want to pray with you also. If you're in any of those two categories, wherever you are seated, you don't need to come forward, but I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me, Pastor. My doubts. God bless you, sir. <laughs> Please put up your hand. I've, 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 okay. I'm putting it up on your hands already. Put up your hand. God bless you, sir. Just put up your hand wherever you are seated. God bless you, right there. God bless you, right there. God bless you, right there. That's all I need you to do. God bless you, right there. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand. I'm going to pray with you. If, if you're saying, Pastor, that is me. I want to put my faith. I want to discard the doubts. I want to discard the doubts. God bless you, sir. Right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I want to discard the doubts. God bless you, sir. Right there. All the men are standing for Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you, my sister, right there. God bless you. God bless you. That is me, pastor. I want to put my faith in this God. Put up that hand, and they will slip a card in your hand. Once you have the card, God bless you, sir, right there in front. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. My sister, God bless you, right there. God bless you. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. I'm about to pray now. I'm about to pray. The rest of us, I mean, God must have spoken to you. Just talk to God about what you have heard. Just spend time. Even if it's just to adore God for being kind and patient with our doubts. Just thank him. Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that has surrendered to you today and is surrendering to you, even online. We ask in the name of Jesus that you fill this life with your presence, that you change them totally into your image and you let your name and your name alone be glorified in their lives. Father, we give you praise and glory. I have made you too small 
in my eyes oh Lord forgive me and I have believed in a life that's you Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. 